to the third episode of the Officers Club. This is Charlie Gottlieb. Andrew Verticu. And Ian Anthony. We uh, today have some fun stuff planned. We're going to talk about a game we played called Eclipse, New Dawn for the Galaxy, as well as uh, community building in your local game store and uh, just other stuff that's new for us. I'm building a colossal, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. It looks yeah, pretty good. The, yeah, the one I brought up last week, the big convergence model for, for my army. Uh, I've started putting it together. I've already broken two drill bits. I'm in the process of pinning the entire thing. Uh, I, I think I need to learn a little bit more about pinning. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a monster. Stuff. Pinning, for those of you that don't know, is putting little brass pins in your models space to in, at all the joins just to keep the whole thing together while it's all glued. Yeah, it's, all, it's like a skeleton for the model. It's all sitting in a cardboard box right now and... It's pretty impressive already, even though he's completely disjointed and everything. Yeah, Once the, all these pieces are put together and he's on his legs and he's got his arms, oh, it's yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's gonna look sweet. It's gonna be gigantic. So, and that's generally for these larger models. I've never built one this size before. Uh, I've always been a build the whole model and then paint it kind of guy. Which mm. actually, that's an. I'm one of the few people that I know that does that. I, really? Yeah. I usually do that uh, until I did my colossals like i i I usually don't care enough to like paint their arms separately before attaching them for like guys that i can hold in one hand but like these colossals is just like it would be silly to try and do yeah absolutely there's been one kit that i have painted separately before i put it all together in the history of all of the miniatures that i've ever painted just one time i realized that was it it was a Oh, what's it called? The Iron Blaster for Ogre Kingdoms and Warhammer. Oh, that big giant chariot cannon yeah. thing. Well, yeah, that's got so many gribblies and hard places to reach when you're painting. Right, yeah. and so and I was like man's attached to the. Yeah, base I had the, the I had thing. the foresight to keep a couple of the things separate, but that's the only thing I've done that I was like, wow, that was a good idea. I kept it separate. Everything else mm-hmm. I built all the way. Do so most I've, people not do that? No, I mean I've known I guys high that, level painters yeah, do. They paint they, on the sprue. Yeah, and then they snip it they, all they, apart and put yes. it together. Wow. On the sprue. I'm I'm trying to picture how that would go for... You just prime the sprue and you just hold the sprue. And then you'd it, have basically. to trim your mold lines off when it's on the sprue. Yeah. That sounds awful. That's how yeah. hardcore players do it. I don't... Yeah. I, I'd, I'd have to hear the argument for why that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Put so. Put it in the comments, listeners. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure why you would do the whole process on the sprue because, like, once you clip it, don't you then have to paint another surface or something? Like, I'd... Theoretically, no, because wherever you clip it off of is going to be glued to the model. Hmm. Well, that's only... But if it's, like, a hand and it's... Well, it's going to vary from sprue to sprue. Yeah. yeah, but you definitely have to do some touch up, and I'm not yeah. willing to do that. Yeah, that seems like ex- an extra step to Ooh, at some point work. to me. Yeah, I also got a playthrough of Android in, and I was very excited about that. Was, that. A- was that the, awesome? Yeah, it was. It was uh, Blade Runner, the board game. Basically, cool. you were a detective along with everyone else trying to solve a murder in a dystopian future where that's great. Mega corporations control everything. And I also, play there are androids and clones. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Also, Shadowrun RPG, I, I want to make that game continue. I, I played like one session of it with people, and it's awesome, except for there being elves and orcs. But, when did you play that? Uh, it was a while back, like oh, okay. a couple months. Because you guys have like, the books at yes. the GOAT now, yeah? I think okay. we might have sold out of the books, which was cool, because I think like none of the people in the actual game bought them, but I sold them to customers anyway. So it just mm-hmm. means that I need to start carrying role-playing product. But uh yeah, the the game seems awesome. I like everything except, like I said, that there's that weird fantasy elves and orcs thing. And I honestly think that they tack that in just to have, like, 
like more racial interplay without it being real life racism or something like that. It's kind of weird. Like it, it's there's like anti orc organizations and stuff like that. And it's like Dragon Age. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't like it. Like I, I, I like cyberpunk. I don't like that aspect of the Shadowrun cyberpunk. I mean, Shadowrun's been around for a long, yeah. long yeah. time. Yeah, this yeah, was it's, like, it's all this was like an 80s thing that right. they, they have well, even re-upped to now. In right. the uh, Netrunner Android universe, you've got Hospiroid making uh, uh, robotic people, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and Jinteki making clones, and you've got uh, humans first liberation fronts yeah, that go around and smash clones with that, sledgehammers and shit. That's not weird in a when it like I don't think them having anti-robotic coalitions is like strange as much as elves existing in a otherwise like tech but not magic world. Like there is magic in Shadowrun but I feel like even that is tacked in like the, there's enough stuff in the game that you didn't really they didn't need magic in the current edition. Gotcha. But. Yeah, I've never played it. So it's basically just D&D, but the future happened? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it's literally yeah. it's literally like if we lived in the Dungeons & Dragons world, but then it was 2145. Huh. It, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Like, it, it's... I like the setting. Like, I think it's cool. It's just there's certain things that are not, like, all... They don't all click for me. It's another yeah, game that lets me be racist against elves. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been worst. around... It's been around for a while, but it's all being redone. A new edition, and they got a computer game coming out for it too. Yeah, and, and a deck out. builder also. What? Really? I think so. Check yeah. it out. Well, we will be. Maybe it'll we'll be no, review one. It'll at be some no point. Tanto Core, but <laughs> did you play it? No. Uh, no. Oh, yet. damn it! <laughs> we looked a little too excited. Just <laughs> well, I wanted to know. <laughs> uh, on the on the subject of cyberpunk, uh, and you mentioned Android already. We just found a spoiler for the next premium expansion for Netrunner. Uh, Tell me everything. It, it's it's criminal in Jinteki. <sighs> Ian just, wait, wait. Ian just got so many. Where did you find a spoiler? Uh, I think Fantasy Flight might have put it up, but like it was R- Ross found it through a uh, Facebook page of CD a store. Underworld. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. The st- there's a store that like focuses entirely on Netrunner and they have lots of videos on YouTube and he really? found it through theirs. Yeah. What, uh, so what's, what's there? The- there's a couple of sweet IDs. Like the, there's a, what the one for criminal that I remember is a I'm trying to remember the exact wording. She gets an extra, she gets money if she runs on her first click. Or something okay. like that. So pretty cool. Glad it's another she. Yeah. Like this game, I have to say, it does really good at dealing with genders. It isn't hyper masculine dudes and girls with giant boobs everywhere, right. which is kind of nice. Yeah. There, there's a. Then there was like a Jinteki card that was a. It's a double uh, operation, so it takes two clicks to play it, and it puts three advancements on a thing. That is installed, but uh, but you can't uh, score it that turn. So uh, so it's you, a tarp, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You can you can double click to advance a trap three times. It's also free. Zero zero credits to play the thing, and you don't pay anything. Oh, okay. so so that makes two, it really interesting. Two clicks, three hmm. three advances on your Ronin or yeah. a June bug or a uh, agenda or whatever. So it seems. Pretty interesting. Yeah, Andrew, I know you're not a huge net runner. We'll change that eventually. Eventually, uh, matter. Basically, of time. the the way the whole game works is when the two players play each other, the only 
cards that score points are in the corporation's deck and the runner mm-hmm. has to steal them but uh some of the cards are traps and you would you put counters on them in the same way as the corporation that you would things that score you points but if the runner runs them it's a trap you do a bunch of damage to them you basically. get to lay a face down trap card yep it's oh, just that shitty this fucking grin god damn it it is yes it is. you lay a face down trap card god Fuck I don't want to say it. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Uh, when the, do these? When do these come out? The new ones. Um, while. after the th- the last one of this, th- there's like cycles of six, uh, right. Like data packs they're doing. Yeah, that's how so, they do it for their, all their living card games. Yeah, so that like we're we're, we're on the third of this data cycle. This uh, cycle just came out, so there's okay. there's three more months still got a while. more or less yeah. until the big one comes out. I was hoping it was going to be sooner, but I understand why it's not. Um, but yeah, it's exciting stuff. There's a lot of there's a couple other cards. I'm not going to like exhaustively go through all the ones I yes. remember off the top of my head, but <laughs> well, it I'm looks cool. instantly going to look them up yep. once we're done recording. So. Well, yeah, and the cool part about Fancy Flight with all their living card games is is that unlike most trading card games, when they release a new cycle for these living card games, it's huge. Like oh yeah, they're introducing so many more mechanics. It was yeah. like that for the the Game of Thrones one and Warhammer Invasion was one that I actually played quite a bit. Yeah, I, liked it a I lot. heard that they recently finished Warhammer Invasion. Like they, oh, I didn't even know they, they have now ten fully playable factions and everything is done for it. Like they will not be releasing more things. So like, I think that's kind of a cool place for one of those games to get to. Like I like the idea of them changing over time, mm-hmm. but. Apparently, the last premium expansion basically like fleshed out the Skaven and the Lizardmen and stuff like that to the yeah. point where they are full factions. They weren't; they're not like like pseudo factions that you take as allies anymore. Sure. So, is and, it now a dead card game? Ooh, <laughs> nice. It it is. Uh, it's undead or something. I don't know. But that would imply resurrection. I don't know. It's a uh, yeah. It's just finished. Well, that's cool too because once again, unlike a trading card game, if you wanted to jump into the Warhammer one, even though it's done, you could just buy the base box, the very first one that they made mm-hmm. and it'd be all surface level, yeah. then you'd slowly add it in. Mm-hmm. You know, jumping into a, a trading card game that's been around for 25 yeah, years, yeah, like much, magic. Much just, catching up to do. Yeah, you are waiting I know for how that information feels. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do I. A couple of times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the idea that they will eventually finish these living card games so that like there there is a a done point for them where there's like six cycles and uh five premium expansions and then you know that there's not going to be more development of them because like the fact that they could just go on forever is like kind of a money grab right i like the idea that they're done well with the game of thrones one that they had made they had made that game a long time ago i think about 15 years ago and it was like it was popular but people didn't really care yeah Mm -hmm. and then four years ago oh my god game of thrones where has this been yeah. all the time yeah. <laughs> and then people the price on some of the older cards that you couldn't find anymore was just flying through the roof because everyone yeah. was grabbing well, as it much was game a, of thrones was it as a they could. ccg at no, some it was, point? no it was always a tcg or yeah. a lcg, a LCG yeah. from yeah. fantasy flight and they actually went back and reprinted some of their older cycles nice because they had stopped making them years ago mm-hmm. but then there was this huge spike in interest and they had to recreate some That's of their cool. older cards has the have the books been around for that long? Fifteen years? I, I I read them like when they were when there was only two, but like I, I think, don't remember how long ago. I think that a was. Game of Thrones was written in the like the early nineties. I, I think have no idea. I'm not even going to venture a guess. Yeah, I'd I'd have to I'd have to look it up. I don't actually know. But Andrew, 
What do you? Oh, yes, sir. okay. He's he's looking it up. Yeah, we'll know. No, we'll know in a second. But no, I, you have a date for your store now. I wanted to get around to that. Yes, Saturday, January twenty fifth. Come one, come all to Games Workshop Lakeview Plaza. A bittersweet day, if I understand yeah, correctly. Um, due to fate or whatever you want to call it, the puppet, ma- puppet master pulling the strings. That is also the day that the Chicago Battle Bunker will be closing. So, like a glorious phoenix from the ashes, yeah, your store will rise. Yeah. I mean, th- my store will be probably one-tenth the size of the Battle Bunker with one-twentieth the amount of tables. But they'll be opening four others in different parts of the No, of that, the yeah, that's absolutely state. right. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's one I, that they, they're opening. Just assuming that like, they are. Within five miles of where the bunker stands now, and that'll probably uh-huh. pull from a lot of that audience, but I'll definitely see... It'll probably be cheaper rent or something. Oh, but guaranteed. It's going to be such a small yeah. store because they're all one man's now. Yeah. It's just, just the model that they're going with their stores now. It was only a matter of time before the bunker had to close. And I mean, it's really bittersweet sweet for me. I mean, I remember going there 10, 15 years ago and just being blown away by how massive it yeah. was. And maybe it was just the days that I've gone, but I've, I've actually been to the bunker a good four or five times this month alone. Just really? Go, yeah. Go, well, I'm in a fantasy league, so just going to play games there, and there's just no one there. Yeah. No, I mean, that's I mean we're not going Saturday night, so maybe that's the big difference, but mm-hmm. there's maybe one or two other games going on tops each time yeah, out yeah. of all then those you, tables. Yeah, then yeah. you can't support the space that big. So if people come to me at my store and they're crying and moaning about, oh my God, I can't believe that the bunker is closed. Well, it's your fault, guys. Yeah, you you should have played there more often. <laughs> you didn't keep it yeah. supported. That, that's, that you heard is... it here, folks. Andrew will permaban you from his store if you can. Oh no, about the you bunker. can come to my store and <laughs> buy your miniatures from me. I'm just not going to put up with the complaining about how the yeah. bunker had to close. Right. Yeah, like the, the table space doesn't technically pay the rent. It theoretically leads to the rent being yeah. paid, but like the but the tables themselves are not selling things. So like they they they're a service to a community, but like if people aren't using all of them every day, then that it makes sense to go to a smaller model. And yeah, it's uh, space. you guys over at the GOAT have been doing a little bit of table arranging and rearranging and trying to find that yeah. balance lately. Yeah. So. We're, we're, we're trying, we wanted our retail space to be just retail and then the gaming space is now where all of the tables are. So we, we I had, I, I feel like it's a little bit tight in certain parts of the store now, but it is what it is. We're just trying to not have tables in the way of people getting to see yeah. everything that we've got and things like that. So... It'll be, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes for us. August 1996, A Game of Thrones was published. Really? And now we know. I'm surprised. Now we know. <laughs> yeah, so it's been around for a while. Um, but anyway, yeah, so my store is going to be opening, and other than that, I've been working on finishing my Space Marines for the store army. Um, I've got two more Centurions to paint, and then the tank, and then my Space Marines will be good to go. Sweet. But yeah, I've been posting a lot on my store's Facebook page. and Yeah, I've been looking. It's looking yeah, good. The, the community's looking been, forward. they've been helping me out and cheering on my efforts, because... You know, painting all these guys has been uh, taxing, to say the least. Yeah, I know that feel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a short break, eat some food that we have coming shortly, and... <laughs> pot- Just and- so you guys know. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be back in just a few. Thanks. And we're back. 
I opened a local game store in May, so I'm very interested in hearing my co-host's thoughts and uh, the listeners' thoughts in our comments or on our Facebook page. Um, how do you think is the most natural way to build a community? What What do you think makes a good community, uh, etc.? Ian, your thoughts? Uh, well, actually, my first question was to completely dump this on Andrew, maybe, uh, <laughs> because presumably Games Workshop has trained you in some way. In theory. About community building. Is, is that a thing they address in the training? Yeah. The crux of the one-man store is recruitment. So how, what kind of tips do they give you? What sort of guidelines? Um, when you're creating your community, you want to make sure that all the people that are walking in your store, you're always giving them a reason to come back. And that can range from just a verbal invitation to come back. Um, mm -hmm. And coupons for free model painting. Right. You'll yeah, give their have... children back to them if they come back. Yep. Uh, we normally hold them for a day or so yeah. and you know, indoctrinate <laughs> it's them. It's like a dog kennel, but yeah. they've got pillows. Oh, but yeah, seriously, like if people are just getting into the hobby, you very much want to get them to come back as soon as possible to get tips on painting, get tips on building. Um, you tell people, I really like that model and I can't wait to see what mm -hmm. you do with it. Yeah. So just having your store, your location be a place for people to go to work on their hobby, to talk about their hobby and to share their interest with other like-minded people. Mm. That's one of the easiest ways to do that. And it's a little bit easier on my end because I'm just doing Games Workshop. Mm -hmm. in. Uh, yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to bring up. That's probably... Like you said, a lot easier because you're just focusing yeah. on models, model yep. building, yep. like ones, but they have a one specific reason to be at your store. Whereas, Charlie, with your store, you've got all sorts of stuff and not necessarily yeah. enough space to do all of it at once. Yeah, that, that's something that I'm trying to figure out. Like, we have essentially four tournament ish days for Magic, and I. That's that, a lot. There's Well, there's three, and then we play Commander most of the day on Saturday. And the Commander thing is like. It's become regular and cool on Saturdays in the last like month or two, and we like that. Like we want that to happen because it's like something that's casual, but uh, gets people to turn up and they spend money and whatever. Like that's cool. Um, <clears throat> we've been doing standard on Mondays and Fridays and drafting on Wednesdays, and the drafts have been like hit or miss like there's sometimes enough people to have a great one and sometimes not and then the days where it doesn't happen are disappointing for the people who do show up so it's kind of like almost a negative if uh if it's inconsistent so i mean I'm, that the amount of people is a little out of your control but yeah i think you're definitely onto something to build your community you have to be consistent with yeah what your location is offering and if you've got you know these days are for this and just keep it like that and make sure people know mm -hmm. that on saturdays we do commander yeah they will you know the community will form itself because they know that this spot has a space where i can go and i can do this yeah. during this time and I, it's great I that just, you're offering that structure yeah i i like that part i just really want to get more uh netrunner more war machine more like x-wing and star trek attack wing going on and they're like we have official play kits for all of these things and we just need people to like show up on the same day and like a lot of the local players we have for some of these things just like have conflicting schedules and that mm -hmm. that is what it is i just the idea is to make people excited about things do we have to have like 
uh, store credit prizes to no. get people to show up? Like, what are what other things can you suggest to get people coming in? Play space, obviously, uh, especially for War Machine having. Which I, you guys, you got those nice rubber play mats that you can yeah. play on. Yeah, we have we have a couple of sweet tables that are usually not occupied by anything but other War Machine players. So yeah, uh, having maybe building some sort of centerpiece piece of terrain because that's always the nice thing about going to the bunker is you've got fully painted tables all those nice yeah. big terrain pieces um so maybe throwing some time at just getting some terrain painted based mm-hmm. thrown on the table might be good get people to come back just so it's not like oh we'll, we'll use not that it's this bad necessarily but like this stack of books is a hill or whatever i yeah. mean you're certainly yeah you, no, you have we, terrain. we have actual terrain and tables so like it like i i agree that more terrain is good but like it's hard to invest in more terrain if people aren't it's, it's sort of like what came first the chicken or the egg yeah, like right. do you, what do you paint up terrain for the two players a week who are using the war machine table or do you like like what's if you build it will they come yeah well i i feel you were talking to i believe his name was eric at fair game yes the guy that yeah mm-hmm. uh runs that store and he was just talking about how there was kind of a critical mass that he eventually hit yeah. where people had he'd just been around long enough enough people had gone there mm-hmm. and just one day exponentially yeah. his customer base for all of his products eventually grew mm-hmm. so i think having fully painted stuff and nice looking terrain will help with that yeah in the long run it'll get people to come back because yeah so yeah sure maybe now you're just doing it for those two people but then those two people can now go out and tell their friends oh and they've got all this nice terrain mm-hmm. there are places to play yeah and i mean space is also a constraint of course yeah in your in your because you've got the basement which is nice but yeah. then you've just got the back room which is not the biggest but yeah. i i mean we have more than enough space for everything that's happening right now. I'm concerned about when and if we get 10 War Machine players in. Uh, I mean, I have to build more table toppers. Like, it's yeah. not actually an option to play with the number that we have currently. So it's just I need to make that leap of faith that having more table toppers will eventually lead to or at least enable us to fit that many. One thing that you could do, uh, have... You figure out how many tabletop really keep getting them or whatever, and once you're at kind of a stasis point where there's a set number coming, which of course is what you, mm-hmm. you want to be getting at, uh, have some set, okay, on War Machine Night, this is the table setup. It would take some, you'd yeah. have to move tables around, but you're going to have to do this anyway because your people don't want to play magic over a four yeah. by four right. kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but just have a standard, you set up the tables and then that also makes the war machine players on war machine night feel like, Oh, it's been set up for us. Yeah. We've got these tables out. And then the magic players on magic night, you just move the table toppers yeah. uh, that yeah, we'll morning stacked and the then, yeah. And you just line up the tables and then they've got their little space and you're, mm-hmm. you're sort of giving preference to, and of course leave a, a long table up on war machine night for magic and yeah. vice versa on war machine night. Yeah, uh, but maybe make the store look like it's more geared towards a specific thing on that yeah. night. Yeah, that sounds like. And do you have a dedicated more machine night yet, or no? Because the community has been kind of. That I mean, you're one quarter of the community. <laughs> like, like the, the, there's uh, we're working on it. Like, there's 
uh, Andrew said he can he thinks he can do consistent Tuesdays and he said he said he might do he might become the press ganger for us or something so we'll we'll see like uh, that's a that's another thing is privateer press does not allow game store owners to become press gangers for their communities yeah. so I can't <clears throat> I can't make a press ganger account for their message boards and talk about my venue. Uh, it has to be a player. So, hmm. like, uh, that's something that we are working on. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to, like, pay someone in-store credit to for effort and results in getting more people in the store for War Machine specifically, like, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I'm sure you could find somebody that'd be willing to do that. Right, yeah. That doesn't seem like a stretch, but it's just it's just difficult because we have several people who work various uh, fields as far as hours that they work, so it, like no one can always show up at the same time. Yeah, different I mean, schedules. You were talking yeah. about getting your getting your store set up for your war machine players and mm-hmm. then you of course you have to give them a reason to be there and one of the things that i've always found to be very successful with games workshop is escalation mm-hmm. escalation leagues will translate very well with war machine and it's yeah. so good for people who are just barely starting yeah and veterans alike who you know i've been playing this same army for two years and now i want to mm-hmm. start a new one you start out small the first week you run yeah. it for six weeks and it just gets bigger and bigger and yeah, you know, just start, more start awesome. off at, at a point value and increase it by a set amount each week until yep. you're playing big boy games. Which yep. would also give you uh, incentive to move some of that War Machine product. Yeah. I know you were saying the other day if you'd had Hindsight's 2020, maybe ordered a little bit less yeah. product. Yeah, the, the, the initial investment of getting everything that exists for War Machine is many thousands of dollars. So, yes, we, uh, I mean, the sales is not the only or even primary reason that I want to get this going. I just actually want people to play the game more because I want to play it more and I want other people to have fun with the game. So, yeah, but obviously selling some things is always a nice bonus. And uh, part of me, though, feels like it's almost nice that you do have as much War Machine product as you do, whether or yeah. not it's selling, because the oh, game, yeah. honestly, if you if you cut down, the game would feel like a card shop yeah. in that way, I think. I mean, yeah. it says miniatures on the banner, yeah. but I think when you walk in and there's just two cases of Magic, one case of Yu-Gi-Oh!, and then on the left you've got a case of Heroclix, it feels more like a card shop necessarily yeah. we, than we, a we wanted it to be equal opportunity gamer yeah. so not uh not all one thing so so maybe even little stuff like maybe more war machine posters or yeah. mm-hmm. i don't just get the feels yeah. make we, the feels we, we need a demo table too like a two by two stand-up yeah. table yeah, where the we, can, we can run mm-hmm. like the 10 minute demo for someone that yeah. is yeah. Uh, yeah, Privateer Press has one, but it's it's just like a hundred bucks that doesn't immediately translate to sales. It's again one of those things where it's like, yeah, I know you it's, it's important, but that's what I was suggesting. Yeah, but then that's I mean it's also time. But yeah, oh, absolutely. The, the other tables took a long time and a decent amount of money to build, so I don't know if I'd actually be saving anything by not getting the Privateer Press one. But let's do it on a slow day. Yeah, you could buy a Games Workshop one from me and use it for War Machine. <laughs> Do they, sell really do they nice combust tables. when that happens? When you place non Games Workshop? Isn't that a fail safe? That's a really good question. It's, it's, like, it's, like, dra- it's like dragging runes. the devil into the church. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know what would happen if you put privateer press models onto. Lift them up and there's just a, a circle where the base was burned into the wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, it wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the circle bases for War Machine and the Yeah, right. Just unlock them. How, uh, how big are your demo tables? 
two by two. Okay. Which is really, really tiny. And yeah. oh, if yeah. I have space in my shop, I will make them bigger. The ones yeah. that they have at the bunker are four by fours mm-hmm. and they are so much better. Yeah. yeah. War Machine is designed to be played on a four by four. So a two V two is basically like one round of moving, one round of shooting maybe and then like combat like it's just the straight up basics and you play with like less than even a battle box like i think it's just yeah you just want to give them the flavor yeah you want them to understand it's the like basic a caster mechanics. two jacks something yeah. like that i played i watched one of the demos at adepticon being played and it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. i mean it, everyone that was watching seemed to enjoy it yeah. so maybe demoing would be more of a thing yeah because you do have a i I don't necessarily want to call it substantial, but from what I've noticed, you get a good amount of people coming in that just sort of peruse, mm-hmm. just sort of youngish, oh, it's a game store. Even yeah. people that are like, what is a game store even yeah. mean? Uh, so making the hobbies more ex- accept or not acceptable, uh, 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 accessible to those people. Yeah. Ha- have uh, have them understand what a miniatures game involves. Uh, without. Yeah, or even a complicated board game. Yeah. Someone who's, oh, I've played Monopoly. It said yes. games. That's cool. You got Monopoly. And, yeah. well, and that was another start, actually, that you made mm-hmm. just for drawing people in. You've got your uh, wall of shame, I believe. Yeah. Eric at Fair Game called it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we got a uh, couple shelves full of uh, Monopoly, Game of Life, Twister, a Ouija board. Ouch. Like, yeah, the stuff. Yeah. That, <laughs> the stuff that, like, we as grown up gamers don't have any interest in playing but when you gotta a, start somewhere but when a soccer mom comes in asking uh what we have that's appropriate for her eight-year-old uh at least there's something in there that doesn't have like wizards on it so that she's not terrified of well, everything it's, in the store well it's great for the uninitiated when they walk in there and there's exactly. immediately something that's a point of reference it's kind of like a little yeah. life preserver yeah that you throw to them that they can latch mm-hmm. onto and leave something familiar we've made their way to the like deeper waters. a thing or two from that shelf but i suspect that it has done good things for us as far as being a conversation starter right well in five weeks approximately once my shop opens i'll be able to talk to you guys at length about building the community yeah, and that'll be my trials and tribulations but for now mm-hmm. this discussion is far from over but for now we'll shelve it and we yeah. will revisit it after we have any success and failures yeah we'll see how uh press ganging goes for our store and mm-hmm. uh, my expanding the table toppers etc right yeah i know we discussed me maybe press ganging but i can also just throw some time at building some terrain too sure we'll we'll do those things we can have like a fun painting and terrain day at some point too. hell yeah yep uh we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back soon with our review of eclipse stay tuned back with our eclipse review here's andrew talking about the theme what we have in front of us here is eclipse new dawn for the galaxy this is a 4x game and for those of you who have never heard of that term before 4x stands for explore exterminate exploit and expand that's news to me yeah wow can you expand on that that's the first time i've heard that yeah so eclipse eclipse um twilight Oh, what's called Twilight Imperium, the first game Fantasy Flight Games ever made. That was a big 4X game. And they're basically these space saga games. Like, if Mass Effect was a board game, it'd be a 4X game. 
you are going through uh, seafaring in your spaceships, discovering new planets, all that good stuff. In this one specifically, you choose either one of the human factions or one of the alien races, and that is who you're going to be playing as during the duration of this interstellar conflict. You are exploring new uh new space sec sectors on the board and the board is getting built as you're exploring you build different ships for both exploration and for combat there's a whole technology tree this game is pretty dense pretty involved um but the theme is it's your classic sci-fi space saga and then i'm going to toss it over to ian to talk about the rules the rules are complicated, so we're not gonna we're not gonna get into hyper depth here. But uh, like Andrew touched on, the board is built while you play the game. During during your turn, you have a set number of moves that you can make. You can put your actions into exploring the universe, uh, influencing some of the planets around you, uh, upgrading your ships, building more ships, that kind of thing. Uh, so, for example, the explore action, like Andrew said, is you take it's it's entirely a hex based game. It's kind of like Carcassonne. Yeah, and everyone starts has on their own little home base hex and as you explore you draw random hexes from on top of uh, uh, three separate stacks and they're based on whether or not you're exploring outwards from the center of the universe or closer to the center of the universe and you get to place that hex down so everyone is exploring this big unknown map together uh, and as you uncover these hexes they'll have planets on them and these planets some will be rich in minerals that you're going to use to build your ships or some will uh, be full of rare valuable metals that are going to boost your economy uh, and all the while you're doing this you have to focus on your economy because that is what allows you to continue making actions basically uh, every time you make an action uh, your reserves of money are going to drop more and more at the end of that round depending on how much stuff you did basically mm -hmm. it's this galaxy spanning empire but if you overextend yourself suddenly you're in debt to far-flung gamma alpha and they want their money and ooh, you might not have it and any player that ends their turn and is unable to pay their upkeep for their own empire just loses the game yeah their society collapses in on itself and yeah. they're done uh, combat is interesting it's very very similar to Axis and Allies uh, there, there's even kind of a submarine mechanic there are missiles that can be fired uh, before the defenders have a chance to fire kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, kind of a first strike capability um it's just roll dice. Uh, sixes always hit, ones always miss, and then you can upgrade your ships uh, to make them more accurate. So maybe you've got targeting computers, so now a four, five, or a six are hits for you, for example. Um, the ship classes are also very interesting. You can specifically upgrade your ships. So you've got fighters, cruisers, big dreadnought guys, and star bases, which are kind of little like auto turrets. Uh, and you can buy upgrades where, uh, on my little, there's a player mat that has a little portrait of who you're playing as, research trees and on the top uh, little upgrade slots for your ships and you can give them better cannons, better drives uh, better computer systems for targeting that kind of thing and those are global upgrades so once I put them down all of my cruisers have better shields or all of my fighters are faster, that kind of thing uh, and it's it's a neat mechanic that you really only ever see in computer games so yeah. to see it in a board game I think is, is I, really I neat. really liked the way that they did the, the ship upgrading in this I feel mm -hmm. like there's a lot of freedom to 
build your armada differently than every other Absolutely, player yeah. ever has or is in the game at least. Yeah, like, and on, on that note, in fact, uh, research isn't limited to just my ships have bigger guns. You can get things like advanced labs or better economies. You know, your miners have better equipment, that kind of thing. And what's interesting about those is you don't start the game with all of those researches or all of those possible upgrades out. You can't necessarily buy them. And at the end of every full round, you draw seven new technologies out. And then those are now available to be purchased, mm -hmm. which I thought was a neat thematic rule because advances in technology could happen. They're not predictable. Yeah, they're spontaneous. Oh, someone on a far-flung planet managed to build warp travel, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. then everyone is, oh, that's expensive. Oh, but I'll buy it. It'll be good in the future, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so and there's it, suspense there. It helps where at the beginning of the game, everyone isn't just staring at the tech tree knowing that, oh, plasma missiles, those are the best. I have to get those right away because yeah. they're not even going to be available yeah. for you to buy. And if they are, there might not be enough for everyone to go around. Mm -hmm. So there's just this great balance between getting technology before your opponents does, upgrading your ship so you're always one up on them, but at the same time still keeping your economy so that your society doesn't collapse in on itself. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a balancing act through and through. And yeah. I'd, I'd like to touch on uh, uh, player order really quick. Last, last good rules thing. Uh, this was, it's just As far as balance goes, I thought this was really cool. Uh, so the more money you have, the more money you generate each turn, the more turns that you're able to take. And then the less money you have, obviously, the less you'll be able to. But um, once you're done, let's say, if I take any more turns, my economy will go bankrupt. I'm going, I will elect to pass my turn. Mm -hmm. The first player that passes becomes the first player for the next round, yeah. which I think is a good balance for when someone runs away with the game and suddenly has a baller economy, Charlie Gottlieb, and everyone <laughs> else is uh, at least able to keep up in such a way where if that, that person can take as many turns as they want, but if I can only take two, at least I get to go first. You mm -hmm. get to pick what you're going to yeah, research. Yeah, exactly. Do. So if maybe there's only one plasma missiles left, you can kind of sneak it out from under the nose of the person who has the better economy because you had to end your turn first. Yep. Yeah. It, so, it rewards, it, uh, I wouldn't say rewards, but it, it gives several points in the game where you can totally catch up. Like Yes. yes. When, Which when is a mark you, of a good game. Yeah, yeah. when you unlock uh, the advanced labs for the science tree or the advanced economy for the economy part of it, uh, whoever seemed to be behind can suddenly Absolutely. be doing great based on what, what uh, hexes were available in his part of the empire. But Charlie, mm -hmm. how does the game look? What do you think of the components? They're pretty cool. Um, the player boards where each person has their own are, uh, I'd say they're about a foot by 18 inches or something. Sounds about right. They're yeah. yeah, they're pretty big. Um, they're they're solid. They're they're a laminated cardboard essentially. They're they're. Uh, I, I feel like they're not going to go bad. Like they're not going to get too worn and tattered. No. Um, there's they're like like we said huge. There's a lot of stuff on them. Yeah, they're dense. They're very they're very busy for a brand new player. It it is daunting. Like you don't know where everything goes. You don't know which things go on the board. Oh, which things yeah. go to the side of the board. When we first um, set up the the whole game, we took a while. Oh, we're we're just going to be here forever. We, That's we, all we yeah we there were so many components. We, we've made jokes throughout the evening of like we're just going to die in this basement. We're gonna we're we're gonna be a hundred years old by the time this game is over. Setup but, was very similar to setting up Axis and Allies. Sure. Similar. Um, yeah, I haven't played 
axis and allies, I'm sad to say, but just it, a I lot of components you. that have to go in a very specific place. Mm-hmm. It takes yes, a long time absolutely. to do it. And then and then you get to play. Yeah. yeah. But in, in axis and allies, you're you're literally putting down, oh, Germany has this many tanks here, this many infantry here, but in this game, you're setting up the research trees, getting everyone's yeah. starting planet set up, dividing up all the resources, setting everything on your little play mat. Yeah. It's, and there's a central place where all the ship parts and the science tree uh, available upgrades go that was like stacked three inches high of like millimeter thick uh, bits of cardboard yeah. and like if someone like spilled a drink on it it would be disastrous oh my God. if so- if someone like bumped the table and everything fell over you might as well just kill yourself like well, it, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> wow <laughs> Sorry. that's Joe, one route to go you, no don't apologize uh, that's how we all felt can speaking of fiddly bits can you talk about how the uh, the resources are yeah. tracked the, the resources which you uh, y- your current level of resource production is tracked by a grid of uh, centimeter square um, not even maybe like half half cent like they're, they're tiny small, little tiny boxes little, yeah. little boxes uh, they start off the game covered in cubes and as you put production plants on planets you take cubes off of them revealing higher numbers of production so it, you start off with like literally 30 tiny cubes packed into a dense grid and then you remove them one at a time from one of the trees which eventually means you're making more money or advancing quicker in science and if an uh, an errant elbow Hits yes. that playmat. Yes, I brushed the corner of my playmat, which was hanging. We off thought the, the edge game of the was table. over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, it was like, grim. Oh no, it was it was miserable. So, uh, like, there, I, I understand after playing through the game why they are the way they are. Uh, I just sort of. I, I wish there was a way for them to be less fiddly. Like there, uh, I think Andrew brought up that maybe like a sliding tracker that is part of the player sheet yeah. would have been a, or maybe a, a perhaps dial. more elegant solution to that problem. Yeah, a dial, something. I, I Like, the way the game works, you you put those cubes out on the map uh, representing production facilities in various types of, uh, the various trees for the resources, but uh, there, there has to be something slightly more elegant than the million cubes that you have all over the your The mechanic itself and why you're taking the cubes and why they're in a little grid is really well thought out. It oh, works yeah, it really sense. well. Yeah. It's just the fact that if you, you have it, it 40 cubes everything. packed in a very tiny box, mm-hmm. and they're all the same color, and if you breathe on them, they're all going to start shifting around, and yeah. you're going to lose track. Right. If you don't remember exactly where your stuff was, it could it would be easy to shift them a, a space or two to the left or right and lose track of how many money you're supposed to get or whatever. And uh, in our last episode, we talked about co-op games a little bit. Uh, Andrew, what did you think of the... There, there is diplomacy in this game, which is interesting. There are, there are set-in-stone diplomacy mechanics, whereas I feel like other games, uh, although arguably it makes sense in the Game of Thrones board game, there are no binding alliances. You mm-hmm. can... you can It's like Risk. You can yeah. say, oh, don't attack me in Kamchatka and leave me alone talk. here. But what, what did you think about the, uh, the mechanics for diplomacy in this game? The mechanics for diplomacy in this game are solid. They're really, really cool. Basically, what happens if any two players enter each other's spheres of influence, if two tiles of the galaxy that one player controls and then another player controls, if they ever meet, 
then basically their ambassadors have been dispatched to go and meet with this other race and kind of see what's going on. How that's represented in the game is if the two players agree, they can join in a non-aggression peace agreement. And what you do is you take one of your ambassador tokens and then you give that to the other player. And you hold on to this ambassador token and it's worth victory points. So if you don't break your alliance, you get more points at the mm-hmm. end of the game. At any point, you could backstab the person you have the, an alliance with and just ravage through yep. their galactic empire, but you're missing out on victory points for having the ambassador and you are branded with the traitor card, which is a negative two victory points counting against you at the end mm-hmm. of the game. And you keep that until someone else backstab somebody and i liked that uh when you send you the the ambassador tokens are, are literal chits that you send over to another player and they put them they take up a space on your player card mm-hmm. that this is the ambassador that's been sent over from the andrew tribe mm-hmm. uh, or whatever and you can send a cube from one of your resource trees over with that ambassador which in effect makes you better at one of the three things either your economy your research or uh, your your economy your your building materials basically so you yeah. get by allying with players you actually get better at doing the basic things that all the empires want to do yeah so and you, basically you're trading materials for science or whatever like the mm-hmm. whatever is represented by the particular cubes yeah. that the two of you choose is pretty cool and it, what kind of invariably happens is at the beginning of the game everyone is spreading out expanding rapidly you come into contact with the other players you send your ambassadors out because why would you want a war earlier in the game it's just going to slow down everything you won't be able to expand if you're spending all your resources fighting So everyone was on very, very good terms with one another, but eventually you get down to some, there's a tipping point. There's always an event that takes place, and then the gloves come off, all the fleets are launched, and it's just absolute chaos, last man standing. Mm -hmm. This game builds up to a climax very, very well. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, this is the kind of game that you can tell stories about for days and weeks after it's yeah. already been. Ha- no, knowing been knowing what we know now, uh, we would have started the fighting perhaps a few turns earlier. At least I would have. Probably, yeah. Like the um, the way it turned out. Like I had hoarded ships the entire game, and then I had like a turn to like fight ad- advance and fight with my giant armada of the best ships I could make with all of the money I made the whole game and it like I I just wish I did it one turn earlier like gone with two two three less ships and just like got more combats in Done and like fighting. potentially taken something over uh yeah th- it takes more actions than I thought to like move your actual armada multiple spaces and th- it takes that, a long that, time to move across that's the a galaxy. live and learn kind of thing there was one kind of goofy thing that I did late in the game uh it, replacing my engines yeah. with missile bays which what I mean we're not entirely sure. If yeah, that's we, legal. yeah, we won't get into the exact rules behind why, but it it was it just seemed goofy that I was able to move my fleet into a war zone, mm-hmm. uh, and then when you upgrade your ships, you can take your your upgrade tiles and put them over old systems. Like, oh, yeah. I don't need this ion cannon anymore. Let's say it's a missile battery now. Yeah. So I upgraded all of my engines into missile batteries mm-hmm. for yeah. extra. Uh, they're essentially like I was saying earlier, the submarines and Nexus and allies first strike capabilities. So I was able to roll like. 
30 dice and all those yeah. were hit. Which is an obscene the, amount yeah, of dice. Which yeah. are hit, yeah, when you start, everyone so starts rolling one. Basically, each of each of Ian's ships had uh, three missile bays or some such where, like, a normal, not insane person would have had, like, one or yes. two. But my ships couldn't move. Yeah, ships they were sitting move. in the center of the map, but if anyone ran into them, they would just take you out in a single yeah. salvo. And, and they, they would shoot you before you could even roll your dice to shoot it. Yeah, it, it just seemed goofy that in the middle, and this was after I, so I moved my ships into the center to fight Kyle's dudes, and then while my ships were engaging the enemy, they affected field upgrades, threw their engines away from their ships, and installed missile bays. It just yeah. seemed a little the, wonky. The, yeah, I feel like the upgrade action, like if we missed it, I wouldn't be surprised that the upgrade action can't be taken with enemy ships in the hex with you. Or yeah, something. we should look that up. There's yeah. a lot of rules. I mean, we're right now we're kind of talking about like really specific things that's that we liked, but let's back up a second here and just in broad terms, what are our overall impressions of Eclipse? I thought th- I thought it accomplished its goals very well. Like I, I mm. the components are really neat. There's a lot of like there there's 300 little cardboard chits, uh, wooden cubes, wooden discs, plastic ships. Uh, there's a ton of stuff in the box, but all of it became clear exactly what it was for when we were playing it. And I liked the the ebb and flow of like the way that I pictured the combat going if we started it a little earlier. Like I I feel uh, I feel like it would really feel like a galactic conquest if uh if we started fighting on there turn was more five instead of turn nine yeah um yeah i think all of us were a little like scared to commit to the combat part but it was uh it was a lot of fun i, I would yeah definitely sweet uh accomplishment of everything it wants to do well and i think they they kind of hint that combat's supposed to happen sooner because you only get you're you're limited to the pieces you get you can only build two of the big scary ships I think mm-hmm. four of the one down from that and then a bunch of the little tiny fighters but if you only have two there's no you're not going to get more ships so yeah. start throwing them at the enemy yeah. I think is what you need to do the more action they get the better because the ships aren't worth any points at the end of the game yeah only I, uh, the things you've conquered with them I almost like how vague it is in its fluff and its little, in its backstory because it it lets you as players. It isn't an established world. It isn't the Warhammer 40k universe where it's right. obviously uh, the Space Marines are always gonna interact with this way, or it isn't the War Machine world where obviously Signar is never gonna ally with uh, this particular individual Thanks. or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's it is. It, new. It's a totally new, and they kind of they, there's a little bit of fluff story, but that that doesn't really matter. It it's fun to build up your own stories. It's all good generic sci-fi yeah. background, and then they just let you run away with it. Basically, yeah. Um, for me, this game when we first opened it out of the box and started setting it up, I was I was overwhelmed. There was an incredible Absolutely. amount of stuff just to sort through. It took us ten minutes just to get our opponent our components in the right spot. What is this, Twilight Struggle? Yeah, exactly. But once we actually got it start, got it started, this game flows really, really well yeah. and all the components are very nicely um, labeled. They got really good symbols on it and this game, really more than any that I've ever played, once you crack the code on what everything means, it just you know, the Clicks. light bulb turns on above mm, your head and yeah. you've just figured it out. Like, okay, this is how the game plays and then you just roll with it. It took us about setup included it was like four and a half hours for us to finish the game a four player game a four player game if we played another it would take so much it probably two hours yeah like two hours like 
and done. Like we, yeah. And we also organize the things a little better in the bags as we put it away and, and stuff. But if one of us, if one of the four of us had played this game before, that would have cut huge amount of times yeah, off an hour it. off yeah. of the time. Yeah. I could probably take three new players plus myself and get a game done oh, in yeah. less than three hours yeah. easily. Like for how expansive and how epic this game feels, it does not need to be an all day affair, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. It just it the game builds so well and there's this great point of tension that is bound to happen. Who's going to become the traitor Yeah, first? exactly. And then the scales are going to tip in one direction and the floodgates burst open and then you just have all out galactic warfare. And it's just, it's really, really well made and well laid out. It's got a cool background. Mm-hmm. I was very, very impressed with it. Is there anything we think could be improved by any of the, the rules or parts of it? I remember our only complaint being that there were our plastic representations of all the ships, but the star bases are just cardboard circles yeah, that are yeah. cut out that have star bases printed on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we complained about anything else. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, that's such a nitpicky thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the the ships look kind of generic. Like they could possibly be like like one or two more details on them like they they kept them pretty you do simple. get a lot of them though but there's a yeah. bunch there's a uh, shit ton of ships like there's i mean 50 no there's like a couple hundred of them probably there's six six colors and there's, there's a lot there's for a, each side there's yeah. a lot uh my biggest complaint would probably be this is not a uh not a girlfriend game not yeah. to yeah I don't know. Be a without be without that sexism guy, being a thing. Yeah, it, you, you it, know, like, what I mean? it or just any it, casual, not a, not a non-gamer thing. Like, yes, like it happens to be that your and or my girlfriend would not be a gamer like that. But like, it would be very hard to convince someone that isn't into uh, this kind of game to get into this with this one. Anyone that's just a filthy casual. Yeah. Yeah. No, no exactly. This game, while we were playing it, it reminded me a lot of when we, when I played a lot of uh, Game of Thrones, the board game. Mm. And that one was very much like we got six guys. We're all really into it. Let's sit down and let's play this game. Yeah. Three hours later, the dust settles and it's over and everyone kind of steps back and takes a deep breath because it was so yeah. you know, involved and, and intense and that's what this that was. That happened. We, yeah. we all stepped, the game ended and there was there was kind of a silence. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, so ever, that's it, huh? Yeah, yeah, and it was, it was It's over? It was like, hey Charlie, what are you doing now? And Charlie's just like, I don't, I don't even know. I can't think. <laughs> my life's over. <laughs> this game was my life. Uh, it, it, oh, I just wanted to note really quick, uh, I think a good mark, uh, or a mark of good rules is mm-hmm. right after after the game, we were able to flip over on on all the player sheets. You've got the humans on one side. So you've got what six generic human players, mm-hmm. and then all of the alien races are on the other side. We were able to flip those over, and just playing through it once, we were able to look at all of the upgrades that the other alien races got, and go, "Oh, that would be cool if yeah. this, this, this. That Let's would be play cool." Again now we had, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> we we had such an intuitive understanding of the rules through one playthrough, which I think is more of a testament to the rules being written and not necessarily mm-hmm. me. Just saying well we're the best gamers ever Uh, but we were able to look at all the other components that we didn't use in that game Mm -hmm. and see how they would be neat yes there are there are a lot of epic games like this out there but not all of them give you that sense that once the game is over you immediately want to play again yeah and that is this kind of game we spent four and a half hours playing it but once it was done we all wanted to play again and you look back and you see things that you could do differently things you want to try new strategies new alien races all this stuff i've played you know 
different games that have lasted that same amount of time, but you're just waiting for the thing to end because mm-hmm. it was, for whatever reason, you didn't get invested in it and it felt like a waste of time at the end. Yeah. This game is the exact opposite of that. Uh, here's a question. Uh, big big games like this, you tend to, I find, just be waiting for the other people to finish their turns sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff, especially when the game gets big and they mm-hmm. got to move all their armies yeah, around. The turns start taking longer. What, yeah. How did, how do you, did you guys feel engaged even while other people were taking their turns? Um, yeah. I, I, if not in being excited for them about their actions, uh, it is to some degree a worker placement game. Like your influence discs are it's an action se- selection. Sure, a little but, bit. but like, yeah, no, I see. But what like you're they yeah. function like worker placement uh, mechanics do in other games because you you have only you have a certain number of them, and the more of them you spend, the more money your empire takes to upkeep. Uh, so the more money you have, the more of them you get. So it, basically. You get you have to plan ahead what's going to be available when it gets back to your turn mm-hmm. because other people can take the research things that you wanted to research. Yeah. They can uh, take the. I mean that's the that's the one main competition thing. But then like exploring in a certain direction could matter depending on the layout of the board and like uh, influencing to. Uh, own a section of the galaxy would be something that would depending on how conflict filled your playthrough was uh, all of those things would be things you'd have to like think about on every person's turn if you can get to where you want to be when it's your turn and that's another mark of a good game a game that is going to last two hours if you got four players that know what you're doing but you're not just sitting there waiting oh goodness yeah. when is my turn yeah. when is my mm-hmm. turn and research too because there's limited uh, research available for everyone so seeing someone merc one of those before you can get it is ah, yeah. ah they got it moment and it adds tactics to the uh who passes first thing because I, I passed first a couple times simply because oh, of yeah, getting absolutely. to research first on the next turn. So uh, what do we think of this game? Let's let's give a little round table rating. Andrew, what do you think? I thought it was fantastic. Um, I don't know if I would buy it simply because a game like this, it's difficult to get a group of players together to sit around to play. You know, yeah, it's like once the group has it, yes. you're good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know if I would personally add it to my collection, but if somebody told me you know, we're going to play Eclipse, do you want in? My answer is definitely yes. It's the kind of game that you need to plan ahead for, mm-hmm. but it like it's fantastic. That's not a knock against it. It's an epic game, and you know you're in for one hell of a ride. Yeah. I don't know if I'd add it to my collection, but I would definitely play it again. Charlie? Uh, 100% would buy. Like, I really liked it. Like, this is exactly what I... This is what I picture twilight imperium being like i haven't played that one yet uh but i hear this one is better at this point so like i if you want a empires versing each other in space kind of game uh this is that it has it has all of the aspects of politics uh economy exploration battling like all of those things are in it and it does them all four x's yep um, one thing I'll, I'll throw in really quick, if any any of our listeners have played the video game Sins of a Solar Empire, you've played Eclipse. It's, yep. it's it, almost it, literally rule for rule it is that the, game. That, so that if you like that, game, check it out. But a board game. Uh, on the scale of vi- uh, bad guys, just villains in in set any setting, Here uh, we go. if bad is a blue slime uh, and good is a Goomba, this is an Imperial Scout Trooper. Very pleased. <laughs> Once again, thank you for your insightful <laughs> closing thoughts, Ian. 100%. Uh, I, I would probably add it to my collection um, simply because I have a lot of friends that come around and play games mm-hmm. who would be 
interested that are kind of getting into medium high level gameplay and mm-hmm. I'd love to play this with them so yeah. I totally would buy it great game that concludes our third episode of the officers club thank you all for listening in and uh we look forward to uh what whatever we review next we'll uh maybe it'll be a little less crunchy mystery. than this game but We're yeah keep we'll, it under wraps uh, this time yeah we'll we'll keep that a mystery for now uh thanks again and we'll talk to you all in two weeks good night night The Officers Club is brought to you by The Clash Compound Radio, hosted by Ian Anthony, Andrew Verticchio, and Charlie Gottlieb. Music for tonight's program included Take a Chance, Fun in a Battle, and In the Hall of the Mountain King by Kevin McLeod. The Clash Compound studio engineer is Nick Brink.